The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Find out more about their upcoming free virtual convention later on in this episode. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Alexander Sadiq, Dr. Julian Bashir on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. the 12th floor of the sub-basement, 12 miles below the Podfleet Command headquarters. You know, the, it's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Greetings, ladies, children, Dan's of the world, and welcome to the Trek Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Smith. It's great to be here for episode number 237, where we're going to talk about the haunting of Deck 12 today. Um, a little Halloween theme for this week. We thought we'd tell, uh, get into a ghost story. So, of course, by we, I do mean my co-host and I. You know, there are moments in this episode where the life form that inhabits the computer turns the deck into a little virtual nebula. And that precisely is where I would abandon my co-host for time and all eternity. Um, hey, buddy. Welcome aboard, Dan Davidson. What, what, first of all, thank you. Of, of all things, it's always I'm always glad to be here. I know you're not always glad that I am here, but I'm always very happy to be here. The, the, let me get this straight. The 12th floor of the sub-basement? Yeah. How is there more floors on a sub-basement other than the sub-basement? It's, it's multi-level. And then it would be the sub-basement level 12. No, no. Anyway. Floors. Haunting of- com- excuse me. At Podfleet <laughs> Command, we call them floors. Um, it's actually negative 12, but it's the 12th floor. Drop you on the floor. Anyway, it's great to be here. Um, Halloween, it's always a fun time. I love Halloween. You know I love Halloween. I've heard. heard. Um, So we decided to talk about a great Halloween episode uh, here on Trek Geek. So let's talk Cat's Paw. Oh, wait a minute. No, we're talking The Haunting of Deck 12. (laughs) Neither of those are great Halloween episodes. (laughs) I know. I just had to think of something. I'm fairly certain you've been drinking. No, actually, I haven't started yet. That's the sad thing. That's that's Be- why you suck so bad. <laughs> 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 well, you know what? We have to have some excitement in the show, at least as we begin the discussion, because Lord knows what's going to happen when we start talking about this one. 
<laughs> well, it's it's not a terrible episode. Let's throw that out there. We don't hate this episode. Um, there's just not a lot that goes on. It's very, very boring. <laughs> I'm going to well, say, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, Voyager 25, big celebration. I, if I had not watched this for this episode, when we get to see it or skip it next week, this would have been the episode that I don't remember anything about. <laughs> now you can't say that. <laughs> I know that. I got to find another one. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about this episode. There are things that work in this episode. There are things that don't work. Ultimately, if this is on, we're going to watch it. Yes. Um, but we thought it'd be fun to look at since it's Halloween week here in the U.S. and, and other parts of the world. But uh, Dan, before we get to that, how may the people listening get in touch with us? Oh, you want me to go now? Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's usually what it says when I say, hey, Dan, and then ask you a question. Uh, I, I know. I just wanted to make sure. Hey, you. Start yeah. drinking. Start drinking. You, you listening. Hi, how are you? I'm Dan. Nice to see you. Bill and I want to hear from you. Uh, maybe you've been... Wow, I sound like Ellen DeGeneres a little bit. Uh, maybe you've been listening forever, or maybe you just started. But either way, your comments and feedback are important to us, so send them over. Bill's crying. Uh, dial up that browser of yours and jaunt on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. There you can send us an email, a voicemail. You can chat us up. You can tweet at us. All kinds of methods to get uh, to get us whatever you want to say, and we definitely want to hear it. Plus, check out the official Facebook group on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network over on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer. It is the most positive Trek group on the Book of Faces, where there's no trolling, no gatekeeping, and only people celebrating what they love about Trek. Just go over to Facebook on your computer or even that app on your phone and search for Camp Kittimer. And be ready to take part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, Dan, and Fark, for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, Bill, it's very important to please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in these places may be used in a future episode. See, I thought you'd do that in like spooky Halloween voice because it's Halloween week. But see, I am not someone who does things normally or expectedly. Would you or say? Well. <laughs> or well. All right, let's So please remember that any myth. Oh, that sounds like Cyrano that Jones. sounds like Cyrano Jones. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful friends over at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You know, each and every day, they're hard at work to get new pins created to release on the 1st and 15th of every month. And of course, you and I love it when new Star Trek pins are available. Oh my God, yeah, right you are, man. And hey, guess what? As I look at the calendar, I see that November 1st is right around the corner. And that means pins, baby. Pins. Yeah. As we talked about recently, Fansets has their special Women of Trek Collectors set, which came out last year at STLV, and they've been adding new pins to that collection ever since. Uh, with the latest release of that collection is coming on November 1st, uh, and we're going to welcome Discovery's Sylvia Tilly to that amazing Women of Trek collection. And of course, you can be part of the Star Trek Delta collection over at fansets.com. They're taking the Trek Delta world by storm and will have all kinds of new Deltas coming out in the coming months. 
Each Delta is going to be released as a full-sized pin, a full-size magnetic-backed pin, and a mini-version badge. Uh, For more details, check out their monthly blog over at fansets.com. And uh, first up on that list is going to be the Lower Decks Badge Collection, and that's going to be available very soon. You can pre-order it right now at fansets.com. Awesome. Oh, can I? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll be right back. (laughs) No, awesome news as always, Dan. Listeners, do yourself a huge favor. Go over to fansets.com when you get there. Put all of the pins in your cart, just literally all of them, and accessories and gift certificates. Because remember, when you spend more than 30 bucks, you're going to automatically get free shipping in the U.S. And then on top of that, to get 15% off your entire order, use the special Trek Geeks discount code for this week, DECK12. That's D-E-C-K-1-2 in all capital letters with no spaces. This discount code will be available to use from now until... Wednesday, November 4th, 2020, at midnight Eastern Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Well, Dan, it's Halloween time. That's a time where you and I uh, enjoy the, the season and the flavors and the bags of Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, <laughs> uh, allegedly, which mm. nobody can prove. Um, but... You know, Star Trek occasionally takes on episodes and ideas that are meant to scare us. And this week we thought we'd take a look at one of those, even though it wasn't actually a Halloween episode. No, it wasn't a Halloween episode and it really didn't have a lot of scariness to it. But I can understand with what was going on and what Neelix wanted to do with the kids to try to keep them calm. Um, it it, it kind of plays as a nice ghost storytelling episode, which which in that aspect, I think I think was pretty cool. You know, Neelix being the uh, um, the morale officer on on Voyager um, is asked to take care of the Borg children as they uh, have to deal with uh, an entity and enter a nebula. So he tells a story of what happened the last time they went there and 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 yeah, uh, the board kids are in it, and Neelix is in it, and and Tuvok has some moments, and um, it's kind of spooky nebula. So, so the haunting of Deck Twelve. <laughs> Thanks for being to, with us. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to sound so excited. <laughs> no, there are some elements here where I think they try to create some spookiness. I mean, right off the bat, they attempt to do a jump scare. It doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when Neelix is coming out of the mess hall right. in the dark, because um, you expect that he's going to get met by somebody. Right. Hi, Seven. Hi, Seven. <laughs> um, but there are really elements about this that that work exceedingly well. I like how they decided to use the the Borg kids, even though I'm not a big fan of the Borg kids. I appreciate how they tried to tell the story by Neelix relating it to them in a ghost story format, even if Neelix wasn't necessarily the best person to tell them a ghost story. Yeah, I I, I can agree with that. It, it's funny when when we sit there and and talk about the Borg kids. I got to say, you know, everybody, of course, um, Icheb is the one that everybody remembers and and stuff like that. But I got to say, I really did like Mazzotti in this episode, the girl uh, of the mm. Borg children. Yeah. I thought she was, I thought she was believable um, in, in the way that she acted, in the way that she was questioning things with Neelix. Um, but I, I do say, I, I will agree with you what you were saying with that f- attempt at the first scare right at the beginning kind of put it on the wrong foot for me going forward. Now, there are some great aspects of the episode that I really enjoyed, which we'll get into, but all in all, 
for me, it wasn't so much that this was a bad episode. It was just really slow for me. I mean, like, like God awful slow. I think part of that is the ghost story narrative. Honestly, because there are some elements in this episode that actually are, are really kind of cool. The idea that the Voyager computer becomes possessed by an alien force that that uses the computer itself to talk to Janeway and to control and manipulate the crew. Mm-hmm. I think that idea is super cool. If they had painted this as a possession story, a la The Exorcist, and not necessarily a ghost story, I think it might have hit a little better. I totally agree with you. And that was the that was the thing that I liked the most about this episode is that when the entity was communicating with Janeway, it was the computer. So we got to hear Majel do her thing as the computer as it tried to talk and in a computer way, it really made sense when it was when it was trying to get across something the way it did it, whether it be shutting down systems or calling Janeway to engineering or to the bridge. I really got a kick out of that aspect of the episode. One of the things I really appreciate about this episode is, uh, one, uh, the science-y type things. You and I are not scientists by any means. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's being kind. <laughs> we are not yeah. bright. We make things go. Right. We are pack-leds, pack-leds. In, in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea that this life force could wind up stowing away on Voyager and passing from, you know, gel packs to systems and ultimately to the main computer was really kind of a fascinating thing just based on this, what was it, J-class nebula, I think it was? Yes, I believe that's correct. Um, really fascinating science type story. But also at the heart of this, there's real Star Trek. There is. There's, there's life in that nebula. Uh, it's like there's coffee in that nebula. There's life in this one. And it is Star Trek and what Janeway... Um, decide she's gonna do. She she risks a lot to get this entity to cooperate with her so that they can do what needs to be done, which is find it, them, whatever, a new home. Because we don't know how many there are. It could be one, could be, you know, could be a whole bunch of them. There's a lot of nebula out there. Nebulae? Nebulae? I don't know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the first one dissipates, which is probably Voyager's fault. They don't really delve into that a whole lot. But when they went through the nebula, who knows? They probably caused something so that it scattered. So it just, it could have destroyed uh, this this entity's home. So I do like the Star Trek aspect of it and, and what Janeway does and what they do to return it to um, a place where it can continue to live peacefully. Yeah. And I, I think really that's the fascinating part of all this. You know, they, they realized that, you know, however accidentally they caused injury to this life form's existence. And I'm not meaning to say they hurt it, but they, they clearly created a situation where it was their doing. Mm-hmm. However unintentional. Um, it takes them a little bit to realize that there's some intelligence at work here, though. And that's really kind of the thing I appreciate. You know, they're all in sick bay, and Janeway says, however stereotypically, or, you know, it just, it, it was really kind of ham handed and bonk, bonk on the head. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? <laughs> that there's some intelligence at work here? Like, light dawns on Marblehead. Right. Um, oh, hey, that's what it's got to be. Not like that's ever happened before. Yeah, it's clunky, but no. um, it's really the only viable answer in this particular case. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I like what the entity does with the computer and with the ship. 
one of the things I like about how the computer act, or excuse me, how the entity actually handled the malfunctions of the computer, I thought was something that was kind of cool. My my favorite aspect of that was when Janeway orders her coffee and it's horrible. So she goes to order more coffee and just coffee is beamed in on the replicator well, instead of a cup. <laughs> well, and then the cup. And then the cup, yeah. And it's just like, bloop. As a matter of fact, I like it so much, I used it for the album cover this week. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, you know, we see things like the ship goes to warp by itself and, and, and we don't know the reason why at the time, but Paris gets electrocuted, which is always a good thing to see. Um, and then um, others, you know, Tuvok gets zapped later on with the environmental control controls. And it's interesting. I'm not sure if they're burns on Tuvok. They looked like burns on Paris. And he looked like he was pretty uncomfortable and stingy when he got to sickbay. Mm. Um, but Tuvok, it didn't look like burns. It looked more like new veins were coming out of his head. <laughs> Maybe it affects Vulcans differently. Who knows? Oh, there you go. Yeah, very good. Yeah, that's. Uh, I'll find a way around Cannon. Don't 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 mind me. Um, <laughs> I like to put you in front of one. Hey, hey, ho! That's not very nice. Oh my goodness, that's not very nice at all. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, I appreciate the position this puts Janeway in, because you know she is essentially lured to the bridge on her own. Mm-hmm. To uh, get the ship back to the nebula, and when the nebula is not there, the entity is like, "Oh yeah, well I'm done with you. In fact, I'm done with all of you. Yeah, uh, get out of here." And Jane was like, "No, no, no. Uh, you need us. Mm-hmm. You know, Vidra needs the carbon units, essentially." <laughs> and um, and there's quite the I don't want to say negotiation because it's not a negotiation, but there's quite the escalation between Janeway and the entity. Um, you know, to the point where it decides, well, okay, you say uh, you say you're not going to help. Fine, I'm done with you. And and eventually, it's one of them blinks. Yeah, and it's not Janeway. And it's not Janeway. The computer blinks. The entity blinks. And I got to say, that was if there was a um, uh, a tense moment of the episode, that was it. And Kate, as she always does does a great job in that scene. But I don't know what she did to make herself cough as 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 realistically as she did in those scenes, but it really sounded painful. And she's, she's, she's saying, you're going to kill me. That's because I'm not giving in. So take your best shot. And who would have ever thought that that would have happened, that the entity itself would have been the one to, uh, to turn off the gas and, and allow Janeway to, uh, to do her thing. And to allow the, the crew to come back to the ship. Yeah. You know, it's, we've seen this so many times in Star Trek where we see a situation that doesn't necessarily go as well at first. And it puts the crew or perhaps another life form in peril or perhaps both. And then eventually they have to come to an understanding. And usually it's because of some long-winded um, uh, diatribe or, or soliloquy by one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it's purely out of Janeway's resolve and for want of a better word, stubbornness. Um, she's like, I, I told you the only way I'm helping you is if you return control of my ship and she's willing to die on that hill and rightfully so. And I don't think that the entity realize or understands that about humans. Yeah. And, and one of the best parts of that, and, and this is a, it's humorous when you think about it. Um, but it's, it's also very serious at the time is, is, is of course we're used to that with Janeway now. That resolve, and, and that's one of the things that's so great about her. But when when she tells the entity slash computer, I won't be your prisoner, you'll have to kill me. And the response is, 
acknowledged. <laughs> it's, 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 it's eerie, but it's also funny at the same time. Well, having the the entity speak through the computer in Majel's voice yeah. was really kind of, of chilling many mm-hmm. times. Because this is a voice that we become used to throughout, you know, seven seasons of, of Next Gen and seven seasons of DS9 and now six seasons of Voyager because this is at the tail end of season six. Yep. So, you know, there's uh, 20 seasons of Majel's voice as as a computer and all of a sudden it's not the voice of clarity. It's not the voice of reason and safety. It's something that's trying to murder everybody on the ship. Yeah, pretty much. It really yeah. is. And, and it's, it's non-emotional, which is also, uh, you know, can make the, the hair on your arm stand up. The, some of the phrases that the normal computer that we're used to hearing every day is used in ways that are very twisted. Um, in some of the scenes of this episode, and it does work. Now, you know, I, I know I'm bashing the episode at the beginning. It's not a horrible episode. There are no. some actual good parts to it. It's just not one of my favorites. But I will say one thing, Bill. Yeah. There is humor in this episode. Oh, yeah. And for me, I found that most of the humor came from the Vulcan. <laughs> but I find that's <laughs> usually the way with Tuvok. <laughs> yeah. You know, straight up from the beginning. You know, when Harry's like, what do you see, Tuvok? (laughs) Oh, I see two Starfleet officers with juvenile imaginations. (laughs) (laughs) Best deadpan, I think a better deadpan reaction than Spock ever had, quite frankly. (laughs) Um, It always makes me happy. Yeah. Um, I I wonder, I was thinking about this today as I was rewatching the episode on my launch. It's like, you know, would I have thought that this episode was scarier if the computer voice had been replaced somehow. So instead of the normal standard Federation computer voice that we all know as Major Barrett Roddenberry, what if it were something more sinister? You know, because uh, when I think about this story, it's, it's not a ghost story. It's more of a possession story. And that makes me think of something like The Exorcist. Mm-hmm. What if it had been something a little more horrific? And I use that word on purpose. I off the, the my first reaction is no. I think the fact of having the computer voice that we recognize be the one that is answering Janeway in these ways that show that she's in danger and the crew's in danger gives it an extra level than just having a you know a, a Vincent Price thriller laugh voice type of thing. Um, <laughs> So, so for me, I would, I would say, I think it was, it was better to have it as Majel's voice than as something more uh, sinister and and eerie. See, because I was thinking, like, what about somebody like Tony Todd? Oh, you know, like his voice that he used for uh, for Zoom on the Flash. Yeah, because that was really kind of chilling. Yeah, um, something like that would have been really cool. Or, um, or how about your voice? <laughs> uh, well, your voice would make everybody open the airlocks. Because they'd want to. <laughs> sorry, sorry. That was. I'm sorry. That was mean of me, and I apologize. It was accurate of me, and I <laughs> apologize for nothing. <laughs> <That's> nice. <laughs> um, let's talk about Neelix and the kids. Mm. Um, because I really think they were trying to find a different way to tell a sci-fi story with this. I, I don't I don't know if this is true or not. I don't think they set out with the idea of, oh, let's do a ghost story because it's not Halloween. This is an episode that landed in May, I think. 
uh, because it's right before uh, Unimatrix Zero Part One. Right, you're correct. Yep. Um, so I think that they were trying to find a different way to relate these scary events, and somebody said, "Let's do a ghost story with Neelix telling the story." So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. Um, if it's not Neelix telling the story, because honestly, I don't think Neelix telling the story works. Which character do you think could have or should have told the ghost story instead? The first one that comes to mind is Paris. I think because he is, I mean, he's he's not our favorite Voyager character, but he is the one that seems to be able to have a dialogue with anyone without any problem. So could he sit down and really, really tell a good yarn? Arg. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, so I would go with him first. Actually, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Oh, okay. Because of Paris's love of things retro, Yeah, I could see him loving a scary movie where there's a ghost story, mm-hmm. or actually loving ghost stories. And I think that he could tell it in a way that really kind of gets the kids a little amped up and scared, yep. but yet backs them off. And doing it in successive ways until the end, where they realize, oh, well, it's... This is the lamest story ever. And I think he would have dealt with that a little better. Although I have to say, at the end of this, I really kind of like the way Neelix recovers from it. You know, so, oh, you're right. All right, off to bed with you, you little rascals. (laughs) You little scallywags. (laughs) You little scamps. (laughs) Um, I got to say, that is the most uncomfortable looking sleeping, the way the Borg regenerate. I that, that, what are they horses? They sleep standing up all the time. <laughs> I just that's just and they, and they, they look that. like so uncomfortable. They have to like step into this big giant. I don't know. I just never got that. I would hate that. Yeah. yeah going back to Janeway's coffee, that's how I would have known this whole thing was an alien. Because don't mess with me and my coffee. As soon as my <laughs> coffee was bad, I'm like something is in the computer. It would have been like shutting everything down. Yep. Level one diagnostic. Level five. <laughs> We're kicking it all the way up. <laughs> or uh, I'll do. I'll take a level eleven diagnostic. Oh Thank wow, you. that's pretty. That's out there. Hashtag level eleven diagnostic. Say that ten times fast. How no, about level twelve? Uh, well, I went eleven because it's one more than ten. Twelve. I'm making a Spinal Tap reference. I don't. I've never seen that. It's big. Uh, all right, everybody, tweet at Dan <laughs> at Trek Geek Dan. Tell him he needs to watch Spinal Tap. Oh, this that, is Spinal all right, Tap. All right. Lenny's in that, isn't he? From Laverne Shirley. Uh, yeah, he is. And and the clown from Voyager. See, I know. I see at least I know the character. Yeah. Yeah. Guitar on the cover of the VHS box. Michael McCann. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Any, anyway. <laughs> um, since, since you were talking like Ellen earlier. Um, <laughs> there, there are a lot of characters, or there are several characters we don't see a lot of screen time with in this episode. No. Um, Chakotay, not a whole lot. Balana, nope. not a whole lot. Doctor the, gets shut off. Doctor <laughs> gets shut off. Yeah. I think that actually could have been really interesting. Yeah. Because what if the doctor had made first contact Uh, with this particular thing? Or it made first contact through the doctor. Or it like turned him into like a creature. Yes. Yeah. That's the first contact thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a physical manifestation instead of just Janeway responding to the computer. I think that could have been really effective. Yeah. Speaking of physical manifestations, I did like... The couple of scenes where Neelix's imagination was running away with him, especially when he was doing his meditation. Yeah. And the nebula had like a, a, a scary face. And then when he was, um, I think that was the point when he was lifting up the food and yeah. it turned it turned like into a skull looking like huge. I thought that was kind of cool. Kind of along the whole ghost story aspect of the whole episode. Um 
but yeah, I that that was a missed opportunity, I think, to have the doctor more involved in a way. Well, let's let's put it this way: what would have worked? What works better? The computer voice that we know and love being the scary aspect of what's going on, or if we saw the doctor transform some way, being the scary thing going on. I think it could have been little column A, little column B. Mm-hmm. Maybe okay. instead of because we don't know if it's one life form or many. Yeah. Yeah. What if they're working in concert together? Because the doctor is essentially an extension of the Voyager computer. Let's be honest. Right. Um, what if? What if it controlled all the things? All the things. All the things. Yeah. That. Yep. So maybe it was convenient that he got shut down. I think so. And yeah. like you said, I do think it was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it just a second ago when Neelix takes the, the cloche off that, or that plate for his, his remembering his dinner party. Yeah. The visual effects in this episode really are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the effects team did a great job making the, uh, I don't want to say terror. I don't want to say horror because it's not really either of those things. But to make the dangerous elements of this episode seem really scary to the characters. The EM discharge come to mind right away, especially yeah. the one with Tom, because that one that one looked that one was vicious. Yeah. Um, and that nebula is it's visually stunning. I'd love to see what that would look like today with Discovery Special Effects team. Because oh, wow. I'm sure that that would be absolutely amazing. But in addition to the special effects that we saw, like those EM discharges and the nebula and and the mini nebula um, in the uh, corridor when Seven is trapped and you see it interact with her, um, her uh, Borg uh, piece over her eye, that's a cool special effect. But also the non-special effects do work in this episode the dark corridors the 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 wrist lights and the shadows being um played on the walls and stuff like that i thought that that was an aspect that that also works you're leading me right to where i was going to go next which is there great the 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 most beautiful shot or scene of a series of shots in the episode are when harry is in the darkened voyager corridors and you see nothing but the red from from the red alert lights mm-hmm. and he runs into Tal Celis in the, in the hallway. Right. And uh, we'll talk about that character in a second, but that is probably the scariest part of the episode. So the first time I'm watching this episode, I'm watching it in the dark, no lights. <laughs> and that scene comes on and I kind of get the sense that things are more dangerous than normal. Because uh, the effective use of the lighting and the camera angles and the way that entire section of the scene is paced. And then it's brought right down by his conversation with Celis. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get to that Celis point in a second. But one thing I wanted to add to what you were talking about, yeah. about the, the corridors. For me, one of the best parts was similar was when Neelix was walking around and the turbo lift was opening and closing quickly. Mm. And all I could think of was the Discovery episode where the severed foot was causing the door to open and close. And the moment after or or right when Neelix is at the door, that was actually a good jump scene when Tuvok shows up behind him with the oxygen mask on. I thought that was a work that that one worked as a as a gotcha moment. And what's up with Tuvok asking Neelix to imagine the light pouring into his lungs? Doesn't he know Neelix only has one? (laughs) (laughs) Or none. (laughs) Technically. Technically. That was good. Um, Bill, our friends at Science Division, the creators of the galaxy's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your mobile phone... 
they're putting together another free virtual convention that you can attend from the comfort and safety of your own home with or without pants. <laughs> um, well, I guess we know how I'm going to attend. Uh, but mark your calendars for Saturday, November 7th and enjoy a full day of panels and virtual vendor tables, trivia, and the best sci-fi merch in the quadrant. It's being called the Vendor Hall, and that's H-A-U-L, like the amount of stuff you're going to take home. And you're going to see some great content and more importantly, some great deals. They'll have day of convention deals from licensed vendors so that folks can get their nerdy holiday shopping done all in one place and also support businesses hard hit by the loss of in-person conventions at the same time. You're going to be able to stop by the virtual tables for so many Star Trek licensees. I mean, just listen to this list. There's Science Division. And then there's also... Volante Design, Cherry Tree Incorporated, Retrospect Studios, Perfect World Entertainment and Cryptic Studios, you know, the creators of Star Trek Online, yes. Gold Bubble Clothing, Factory Entertainment, Eagle Moss Hero Collector, Movies on Glass, and of course, our friends at Fansets, Dan. Plus, also, Bill, uh, there are going to be some great guests there as well. Jay and Kalia are still adding guests, but they've already lined up Phil Plate, also known as the Bat Astronomer, as well as Star Trek science consultants Dr. Mohamed Noor and our dear and good friend Dr. Aaron McDonald, who we talked about scientists earlier. She's a scientist. Yes, she is. <laughs> and uh, so to find out all the information, go to VendorsHall.com. That's VendorsHAUL.com. And get ready for a great weekend of Star Trek content on November 7th. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. Is this the first time? I know I understand that we've seen the, the Talcellus character before in the Voyager episode, Good Shepherd. Mm -hmm. But is this the first time she's been in space? Did she get bumped on the head and not realize that she's been in space for a while? I'll tell you what, she reminded me of the Lower Deckers big time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was interesting. It was weird. I mean, who knows? Who knows when, when your mind is playing tricks on you and you're by yourself in the dark on a starship and, and you're thinking that the Borg and the Herogen and, and who else knows what is showing up that you, you get a little um, non-Starfleet because she was pretty much non-Starfleet in this. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm going <laughs> to... It, it's like she was day one on a starship, like Harry Kim in the first episode. And Harry Kim was better prepared. Yeah. Or um um who was the one? No, I want to say Robin Leffler, but she actually was she was a good officer in, in TNG. Yeah. Um, who's the one that Sonia spilled, Gomez? There you go. Yes, to spill the coffee and stuff. Yep, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. In uh, Q who? Yep, absolutely. Um, I just forgot where I was going to go because now I started pulling Sonia Gomez's name out Salas. of the ether. Um, yeah, no, that wasn't it. Okay, we were done um, with her, huh? Yeah, 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 we're done with her. Um, I I do appreciate the moments they try to create like that. I appreciate that Harry got to be the voice of reason for a, a really junior officer. Granted, Harry's a junior officer. <laughs> I mean, he's on the senior staff, but he's, a, he's an Edson. Forever. Um, he essentially gets to uh, reassure a crewman, and that's not a position he's in very often, which that's I true. really kind of liked. Yep. That was some really good growth for Harry. Um, the other thing is... And I say that as I'm vamping and trying to remember what the other thing is. Um, I, I, I didn't appreciate the way that Seven really just admonished Celis right off the bat in the corridor, saying, "Oh, well, you oh, just took yeah. out the power in the astrometrics lab." It's yeah, like, Seven, dial it back, lady. Yeah, she, I, I she, agree. She just barely opened the panel. 
Exactly. Seven jumps to a, a, a really huge conclusion without having the facts. And that just didn't seem very Seven-like to me. She was, she was, she had a bad day. She almost got, you know, she got, was it before or after she got zapped by the, by the nebula monster? I can't remember. But yeah, I, I, I thought the same thing too. It's like, you're not going to ask what she was doing. You're just going to say, you did this. What are you, my dad? Yeah. What did you do? <laughs> exactly. well, I don't know, genius. You tell me. <laughs> yep. Why don't you study it real hard and tell and me what I did? She doesn't apologize either. No, she doesn't. Not at all. And hmm. yeah, I get that things are, are going wrong, but I mean, seven, come on, dial it back, lady. Come on now. Come on now. You're acting like Dan Davidson. What? Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you remind me of something out of Ed, Edgar Allan Poe. Just saying. Thank you. Um, I feel like <laughs> the, I feel like the resolution of this episode is really kind of bonk, bonk on the head. I think it is. I think it's very, it's convenient. It's also another one. This is season six now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're already in, ba- or we're back to, even though it's not a great episode for me, we got some good aspects of the episode in the first 40 minutes. Oh my God, we got to wrap it up. Let's do something really quick and wrap it up in five. Yeah. 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 Really That's exactly the way it feels. I mean, they do tie it off by, you know, there sort of being a, a physical manifestation on the ship. People feel the the entity leave. Yes. And that was, oh, that must be what's going on. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, wink, wink. That's the thing leaving, I bet. You guys huh. can go to bed now. <laughs> Sorry, I have nothing to say because the way you do that makes me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that does not make any sense at all. No. Okay. Did it do that when it was entering the systems? In A the little computer? bit. Yeah, it did. I thought that I thought that when it was I thought that the shakiness that was happening was just when they were in the nebula, not necessarily when the computer was when the computer was getting, you know, taken over. But we don't, we don't really know. know for sure. Yeah. We don't really know. Yeah. I gotta say, of the the four board kids, um, who I, I'm I'm glad they kind of played to the maturity levels of those kids at that ages. But Mazzotti really has some yeah. darkness going on. <laughs> yeah. I liked her the most too, which is kind of Odd. <laughs> yeah. That kid, um, uh, you know, she she's all in for this ghost story. She's like, mm-hmm. snacks are irrelevant. I'm sorry. <laughs> snacks are never irrelevant. <laughs> the nope. only thing they didn't have was an actual fire, which was le- running unattended in the mess hall. That's true. And it was like large at one point. Yeah. That walk was like engulfed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there... There are some things to really like and appreciate about this episode. There are some things that this episode could have done a lot differently. Ultimately, um, projecting the next week, let's give a little preview, Dan. Hmm. Um, I'm not going to ask you to to provide the reason why, but do you think this one for you is going to be a see it or skip it as we take on Voyager season six next week? It will be a skip it. Absolutely. 100%. Really? Yeah. It's for me, I know that I know that part of the reason when we do see it or skip it is we want to have people watch the episodes that are essential Star Trek. And if it's they're watching for the first time, this is something that you're really going to want to watch. I'm not going to pick an, uh, an episode that is completely boring to me. And even if it does have some good aspects, I think the whole ra- uh, the whole idea of the story being wrapped around this ghost story in the cargo bay. It just falls flat for me, so I, I I can't give it a. Does it have some good Neelix moments? Does it have some Neelix character building? Absolutely. Yeah. 
but it's not something that I would put up there. If I'm going to, if I'm, if let's put it this way, if I have to choose between what gets a skip it and what over what gets a see it, if I had to give it one or the other and something else would lose, I'm not going to sacrifice another episode of the season of a see it. It's this is a skip it for me. It's just, it's just not, it's not a strong episode for me. Interesting. What about you? Um, I'm kind of on the fence. Okay. I think that there are moments where I would say, oh yeah, I'd see this. And then other ones where I'm like, oh, please, I'm begging you skip it. You know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to purposely give it a see it just to see if anybody calls me out on it. (laughs) You know, there are going to be people who call you out on it. Yeah. No, believe me, it's going to be a skip it. (laughs) Trust me. (laughs) The real question is, is Thad, our our guest judge next week, is he going to see or skip it? That'll be interesting to see what happens. I um, I think I'm leaning towards skip it. And it's it's going to be a just barely if I do. Interesting. Yeah, um, this one, I have no hesitation at all for this one uh, to give it a skip it. So that's I don't think it's terrible enough to go meh. Okay. It, it's not a meh episode. You know what? For me, that's exactly what it is. It's meh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The Theater Skip It preview brought to you by <laughs> the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. There you go. No one talks Trek like we do. That's Trek. Sh- <laughs> what? If, what? I was saying Trek because nobody says Trek like Shut up. <laughs> um, so parting thoughts on the haunting of Deck 12 as we close out this Halloween. Well, closing thoughts are this. Is it my favorite episode? No. Is it Star Trek? Yes, so I'll watch it. I, that I mean, you really can't. It, it's Star Trek, and we talk about this all the time. The worst episode of Star Trek is the best episode of other shows. Um, yeah. So it's it's you'll always watch it, even when you watch an episode that you don't like or even that you can't stand. If you watch it again, chances are you're gonna catch something you didn't catch the last time. So maybe it helps you to appreciate it more. That's happened to me dozens of times as we've done see it or skip it over the years with things that you've recommended I watch again and I have. Hasn't happened with this one yet, although we did find some positive things that that I agreed with um, while we talked today. Um, so yeah, it's it's not the best. It could have been done better. There were some good points, but there wasn't enough to really keep me awake. So outside of Kate Mulgrew, who clearly has the the best performance in the episode. Yep. Who would you say is kind of the episode's MVP? Uh well, I, I I would say I would say Kate Mulgrew, but if I'm going to choose somebody else, you really you, you either could go with the Borg girl child, the female girl. She's great. Or you, you kind of have to go with Neelix. I mean, it's a Neelix wrapped story, and there are some aspects of the of his character with the whole discussion about what happened on what was it, the Solvaxia? That yeah. was a good that was a good um, piece of of Neelix's history of 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 stories when he was growing up. So I would say I would say Ethan probably would get the MVP on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite extreme for that. I'm gonna say Marlon McLean is Mazzotti. Um, that kid, or of course she's a kid then, <laughs> yeah. uh, she has some great lines in delivery and I think she's the unsung MVP of this episode because that kid's got some issues. I can go, <laughs> I can agree with that. Yeah. She was really good. I found myself smiling at a lot of the things that she said, the looks that she kind of like shoot her, shoot across and look at each or something like that. And she had like one, like implant, like right here on, on her yeah. temple, um, looked like a Bajoran earring. It reminded me of actually a little Kinda bit. Did. Um, but yeah, she was, she was great. Well, Dan, that kind of 
does it for our look at uh, the haunting of deck 12, which really isn't much of a haunting or a Halloween episode mm. on this Halloween. See happy Halloween. Happy, <laughs> happy Halloween. You know, I'm thinking about the other Halloween episodes. There aren't yeah, many. There aren't many at all. And they're not great. No, you could, you take an episode like, um, there could be good Halloween episodes. I was thinking about this this afternoon. Of course, Cat's Paw is always the one that everybody talks it's about, terrible. which isn't, isn't great. You know, you get the, you get the pipe cleaner monsters at the end and, and stuff, but, <laughs> um, schisms could be a good Halloween episode. What is that? That's the one when they're going through the portal yep. and getting like dissected and stuff yep. like that. That's kind of creepy. Genesis would be another one that oh, I would Genesis say is a fantastic. good Halloween one. Yeah. So. A dead stop from Enterprise. Absolutely. Yep. That's a Absolutely. great one. Great one. Yep. Um, um, and the children shall lead anytime you watch it. You think you're in Halloween because you just could not be in the lower form of hell. I want to be stabbed by Michael Myers when that episode comes <laughs> on. Um, some people say Impact Noor. Yeah, that's got a lot of of darkness and scary moments to it. I can 100% agree with that one. Yep. I, I don't know if I... That episode doesn't scare me. I like the I like the darkness of it. It's kind of like the darkness of the Voyager Quarters that we just talked about right, that were really fair. good. And then also those... Um, the, uh, those... The things that are holding the Cardassians, like they look like mummies. Those are kind of kind of gross. And then, of course, what happens with Garrick is kind of scary in itself. So, yeah, that's it. Dan, of course, we also want to thank our friends, the band Five Year Mission, without whom, I don't know, this would be a, a, a completely musicless podcast and people would just have to hear Ugh. the screeching of your voice filling more time and nobody wants that trust me speaking so, of a horror movie oh my god so yeah head on out to fiveyearmission.net get all their cds shipped to your house you're going to become a huge fan of these guys just like dan and i are ourselves um so many great songs there's year one year two year three year four spock's brain the trouble with tribbles um just seriously these are not parody songs in any way i mean these are great great compositions that make you look at star trek in a different way and seriously, it's just some great music to listen to. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Get all those CDs. Get them all. All Watch their... They got a couple of videos out there. Those are great to watch too. I mean, who doesn't like to watch Fark and the guys hanging out doing songs on video? But anyway, speaking of video, Bill, this is the time. This is going to be a good one. I think you're going to really like this one. Um, <clears throat> I love the episode, A Matter of Perspective. Don't you? I know you do. I do. I think it's a okay. great episode. Yeah. I mean, God, poor Will Riker. He's been charged with murder, and according to local Tagulan law, he's actually guilty until proven innocent, which is interesting. And the best way to view the evidence that they come up with is via the holodeck, where each witness gives a rather different view of the events that killed this renowned drummer and musician. It really was something. The most ridiculous, though, of these holographic depositions is by the victim's assistant, Tana, and in her act of the holodeck Riker gets manhandled by this guy to which Riker threatens him with that famous shouting bill you're a dead man Apfark a dead man he woke me up from my nap for that I liked it wow <laughs> Apfark you're a dead man Apfark Apfark <laughs> yeah so I'm um, okay <laughs> FiveYearMission.net, please. 
get all their CDs. Don't forget, you too can support the Trek Geeks podcast network, on which you can hear Five Year Mission, the podcast, by the way, by subscribing to us on Patreon, where you can get all kinds of special exclusive perks, Daniel. Absolutely. And I just finished putting all of the perks together to go out in the mail, finally. And that was a lot of perks to pack up. A so, lot. Yeah. So, you know, check out Patreon. You know, we sent out this year's rewards to all our Patreon subscribers. And like I just said, you'll be getting them in the next few days. If you haven't gotten them already, includes our annual supporters pin by our friends at Fansets and our annual T-shirt. And there's other perks too, but right now we want to take a moment to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks because we are just so grateful for their support. So thank you, Dave Andrews, Vikram Bhatt, Luke Burnham, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Brandon Everidge, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Jonathan Hamilton, Brooke Horton, Ryan Jeffs, John Krikorian, Sean Lynn, Rick Mason, Jamie McGregor, Aaron Mollenkoff, Shane Murray, Tim Robertson, Greg Rozier, Eric Sakian, Adam Sanders, Tim Serdar, Heather Sohn, Lisa Tomlinson, Jessica Dax Vincent, Trey Womack, Ron Robel, and the gracious and wonderful Conrad Hutchins. <laughs> we also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support, and they are Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Rachel Delaney, Craig Ewing, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Lionel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Casey Shafsky, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Vashon. You too can be a producer on the Trek Geeks Network, and it is so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All the details. Congratulations. Thank you, Dan. Next week, our celebration of Voyager 25 continues with a fan favorite, as well as a very special guest who may as well be a fan favorite. He's my fan favorite. He's more of a fan. I'm more of a fan of his than I am of you. Um, but it's exciting. You know, I like to call it COC, Bill, actually, when, when you think about it. It's time for another amazing round of See It or Skip It. S-I-O-S-I, C-O-C. Um, we're going to welcome Thad Haight of the Delta Flyer podcast over to the show, and he's going to help keep things sane as we discuss Voyager Season 6 next week on the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Looking forward to that. See it or skip it. Always a great time. I can't wait to see how many mez I have next week. Uh, <laughs> one of which one. is Dan's face. For even more great Star Trek discussion, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. In addition to Rewind and Politrex and Five Year Mission, you can also hear the brand new Deep Space Pride with Mike Thurlow and Johnson Lee, as well as Infinite Trek with Aaron Harvey and Brandy Jackala. You can find all our podcasts, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CEO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 237 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. And coconut. Really? That's you all I have. Like this the week. coconutting of deck twelve? No. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna um bash my coconutting with the hunting of deck twelve. The haunting of coconut twelve? Uh, no. Don't, don't you let me be the genius here, okay? You're a dead man, Ab Coconut. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. 
For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Oh, did you just get done watching Haunting of Deck 12? Uh, sorry, who's this? Who are you? <laughs> Bing Bong! Oh, hi, Bing Bong, how are you? <laughs> I've been... Wake so, up. I'm exhausted. You look tired. I Thank you? <laughs> well, that's a nice thing you to look, say. You, you look good, but you look tired. You look like crap. I didn't say that. You said that. What, are you saying I look like crap? Uh, absolutely. Every <laughs> single time I see you. Um I got. I slept in Sunday morning. Abby let us sleep till nine a.m. on Sunday morning, which she never does. Mm. It was awesome. Nice. And then uh, Monday night, I slept like crap. I must have woken up like ten, twelve times. And then I just didn't get enough sleep last night. Although I slept like a rock. Yeah. Um, So I'm just. Oh, I'm dragging today, buddy. You're dragging. Feel like I'm moving in perpetual slow mo. It's funny. We slept until nine thirty on Saturday, which was our anniversary slash Sue's birthday. But we also stayed up till like two, so <laughs> <laughs> so it really didn't. You know, we didn't win anything. <laughs> so as you know, I've been watching the Halloween series of movies. Yes, you have. Starting with the very first one from mm-hmm. was it seventy eight? Seventy eight. And uh, so far, we've made it up through. Uh, what is actually Halloween 6, but is called Halloween the Curse of Michael Myers. Yes. Um, there are some there are some real dogs in that movie series. There are some r- dead dogs in that movie series. Uh, in fact, there are more dogs than there are good movies. Yeah. 6, actually, it has Paul Rudd. I don't remember a lot of 6. I haven't seen it in decades. The guy, the guy who plays Ant-Man. Oh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, but I haven't seen it in decades. Um, but it's the first one that really tells a complete story with a beginning, middle, and an end. It has actual character progression. Is that the one where there's a bunch of kids with like virtual cameras? No. Okay. All right. No. I thought there was there's one where they're like they're like doing a reality show or something and they have to stay in his house overnight. In the Myers I got house. that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um <laughs> one is alert. okay, two is meh. Yeah. Three is putrid. Now, I know people who love three. I know Adam Drozen digs three. Oh, my God. Every time I... I wanted to I wanted to punch somebody when I heard that music, like the 40th time in the movie. And I was only wishing that you were within an arm's length. But it's Stonehenge. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie's pitiful. The casting of that movie is terrible. It is. The idea that they wanted to move to an anthology after two incredibly successful yeah. movies yeah. with Michael Myers tells yeah. me they just didn't get their core audience. Uh, um, four is okay. Yeah. Halloween four is not bad. Halloween five is eh. Yeah. Um, although at the end of Halloween five, Loomis beats Michael Myers into a pulp <laughs> with a plank of from a window. So like a piece of, of two by four. Yeah. 
I'm sorry. That guy's walking around on a cane. He can barely breathe. I don't believe for a damn minute that he was able to beat Michael Myers down to the point where he was incapacitated. I haven't seen four, five, or six in so long, so I don't remember much about them. Um, three, I mean, I remember the scene with the, when the kids are watching, the, te- the test kids, and they all get killed. That scene freaks me out. I haven't seen that in forever because it just was with the rotten pumpkin and everything. Blah, 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 blah. There are some legit scary moments in three. Yeah. Pulling the some, nose out. Yeah. Some yeah. things that make you really go, oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. The robots were a bit of a stretch. Very stretchy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fembots so next, on Halloween. <laughs> what's that? Fembots kind of yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. So next is is Halloween H2O. Yeah. Which I've seen most of already. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then after that is Halloween Resurrection and then I think the zombie Halloweens. Resurrection is the one I think with the um, with the virtual camera stuff. Um, if stupid. I remember correctly. I don't even know if I've seen that one. All. That sounds dumb. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what can you expect? I mean, you can only do these movies so much. Uh, Yes, it's it's um, the house has become the set of a webcam reality show. But Michael shows up and dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Katie Sackhoff is in it. Busta Rhymes. I see. I I remember looking at the casting on that. I'm like, they really started to spend some money on some of these later films, starting with six. Yeah. Six actually had a budget. Yeah. That's because six was financed by Miramax. Right. None of the others were. Yeah. And I'll tell you, for me, the first, the first one's a classic because it's, you know, the first, the first slasher movie ever really made. Um, Zombies Halloween reboot is, in in my mind, is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's one of the, it's the best of the Halloweens. But you said the second one is terrible. The second one is putrid. It's absolute garbage, in my opinion. Which is worse, the original Halloween 2 or Zombies Halloween 2? Zombies. Wow. I really don't like what they did with the second one and how they how they did things and how they explained things. I thought it was very bad. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Your face is really bad. I don't mind the second one of the original. Um, it's not great, but there's some good moments to it. Jackhammer in the head is a pretty scary scene. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And uh getting the getting the um the uh needle in the in the temple and then the air. That was kind of gross. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't mind that one. It's pretty good. I always find it funny that she's on the ground and she's trying to call for help, but can't while they're outside and then screams as soon as the door shuts, help me. (laughs) And she's also scraping her fingernails on the tar and that scene dries. Oh, it's awful. He's like, it's like every time I hear your voice. Exactly. Oh my God. I walked into that one. (laughs) You know, what we ought to start doing is charting the garden rake factor <laughs> on Trek Geeks, which is the number of times you completely step on the edge yeah. of that garden rake, rake yeah. and it patoings you in the in the face. Patang. Your face. Patang. Patang. Patang your face. So, anyway, yeah. um, speaking of Halloween, because we're doing a lot of Halloween talk today, which is good, no. um, I'm having a great time with this year's jack-o'-lanterns. From uh, from the uh, oh, yeah, I get yeah, them yeah, from yeah. Zombie Pumpkins. Great site. I recommend anybody to go to it. It's a small fee to 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 join them, but it, it's worth it. They just came out with two great ones today, so now I'm debating whether I do any more. And it's Witch Hazel and Bugs Bunny from the Bugs Bunny cartoons because Witch oh, Hazel cool. is always awesome. So now I'm trying to decide what I want to do because I did um, Groot for my sister and she freaked out. She loved it. I did one called Bat Cave last night for Sue, which she really liked. I and saw I'm going to do really that. Cool. The next one I'm going to do tonight is the Hat Box Ghost from the haunted mansion oh very yeah they, cool. they came out with that one this year so yeah so 
now, are you handing out candy this year? No. Uh, well, what we might do, I don't even know if Merrimack's called it off. They have um, not. So what we do and what we did last year is we will, because of the dogs, we'll put the lights on and we'll put a, a pedestal outside with a big bowl with stuff out. Last year we did that. We had zero visitors. We only have four houses on the cul-de-sac and it's yeah. it's not a neighborhood where there's a lot of kids. So we might get our next door neighbor because they just had a baby a year and a half ago. So they might come over or something like that. But I'm not anticipating anybody's going to be out. In which case, tell those kids to empty the bowl. Yeah, exactly. I'll just put a sign. Take as much as you want. Take yeah. the bowl. <laughs> take the bowl. I hate the bowl. Take it. <laughs> yeah. um, we are just going to, we're turning off the, the, yeah. the notifications from our ring doorbell. Yeah. Um, we're not, an, the lights will be off in front. We're not yep. going to answer the door. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's for the best. I think so too. Yep. I used to sit outside and hand out candy every year. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'd, I'd put on a coat and hat and I'd wear gloves. And when kids would come up, I'd give them the candy because Abby would go nuts when oh, the I'm doorbell sure. would go off. Yep. Plus, I don't want to have to go up and down the stairs of a townhouse oh my God, every yeah. single time. Yep. Years and years ago, we were doing. Uh, we were over at my sister's house at at on Halloween trick or treat night, and I sat in. I got an old sweatsuit and a mask and a hood, and I had Chris stuff my sleeves with leaves and my pants, and I just slouched in a chair like I was a scarecrow. And whenever the adults were watching, I wouldn't move. But if the kids were looking at me and the and the uh, adults weren't, I'd be like. Urgh. And then <laughs> just to scare, just to scare the hell out of the kids. At some point, are you going to take that costume off? <laughs> okay, that wasn't a rake. That was just you being mean. <laughs> no, no, it's it's not being mean. I'm being minimally observant. You got uh, you got some leaves right in your collar there. <laughs> oh, it's itchy. It's itchy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, itchy. So you um you ready to do some uh, some news there, freak sort of Yeah, facts? let's do it up. Do it up. Then we you're, get to talk about a great episode. You're a real freakosaurus, Tuvok. I hate that line. 